But Lord, help us to realize that we are desperately dependent upon you. And we need you. We need you, Lord. And Lord, we want to start off this new year, this new year recognizing we really do need you. In the times in which we are living, we need you. And at our age, we need you. And what we're looking at for the future, we need you. The goals we're trying to reach, we need you. Lord, we need you in every area of our life. Would you minister to us tonight? Awaken us to that. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you ever said to yourself, I know some other folks get involved and work for the Lord. Have you ever said that to yourself? Why don't some other folks get involved and do something? Have you ever recognized the Lord may not want them other folks? <laughs> do you recognize the reason you're doing it? Because God giving you the strength, the ability, the talent, and all that is needed to do it. But this flesh will complain. Is one of these mics, can we, are we working on it? Okay. And we complain based on the very fact we look on what he has already done for us. We lose sight on how good God has been to us. And we feel that sometimes. I've done enough. I've done enough. I've done enough. Let somebody else do it. Scripture says, Work wise yet day for night cometh. And that night really means death. Death is coming. There's going to come a time when you cannot what? Work. You won't be able to do it. But yet, somehow in the church, in our attitude today is, I'm tired. Nobody else is doing it. If God has given you breath, there's something you can do. I don't know how many of you can remember Sister Hawks. Sister Hawks was at church constantly until she just, these knees wouldn't bend much. And they had to be basically straight out most of the time. Barbara became somewhat her caretaker and was there cleaning her house, helping her, doing different things. But everyone in this church, Sister Hawks took on a challenge. And it was simply just to pray every week for everyone in this church. She was what? How old was Sister Hawk when she passed? 91, 92 years old. And didn't miss church. 91, 92 years old. But one day she told me, she said, Pastor, I won't be coming to church anymore. 
I can't, she couldn't bend her legs to get into the car. They were very painful. But she says, I'm going to pray. Elaine and I are going to pray. If the women want to meet here with me, they can. And we'll pray. And she was just a prayer warrior for this church and for many of us. She held us up in prayer. You can do something. You can do something. And when we can't do anymore, may the Lord take us home. Because he's to serve him. He's called us to serve him. And none of us can say we've done too much. Why? You have not shed blood. You have not shed an ounce of blood for him. When's the last beating you've taken for him? When's the last imprisonment you've been in for him? When's the last time you've been run out of town for him? See, we take this Christianity that we have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we take him for granted. If you talk about somebody taking advantage of somebody's love, Every day we take advantage of God's love. Every day. And we don't really deserve it. He loved us while we were yet his enemies. He loved us. And he even loves us today. No matter how we act or what we do or what we say, nothing stops him from loving us. He loves us. Go to John chapter 6. And you ask yourself this question. Do you serve him because of this? If you serve God based on the basis of the blessings you receive, you're serving him for the wrong reason. If you serve him based on how good he's just been to you, you're, you're serving him the wrong reason. Reason. When you really recognize who he is, you understand he is worthy to be praised and worthy to be served. Period. If he didn't bless you, if he didn't give you anything, if he didn't do anything for you, because of who he is, demands our worship and praise. So in John chapter 6 and picking up in verse 25, would you listen to the Lord? Because this might be us. He says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your full. You ate the loaves and you had your full. You got a free meal. And you're looking for me for another what? Free meal. The reason you're responding to me is because 
I fed you. The reason you're responding to me is because I healed you. The reason you're responding to me is because I blessed you. I helped you in this and I took you out of this problem and I helped you over here. But are you worshiping me because you know who I am? Are you really worshiping me because you know who I am? Not so much of what I do, but who I am. And he says, do not work for the food that spoils. Do not work for the food that spoils. And we labor hard for that which is temporal. We labor for that which spoils. We, we, we really work hard for that that doesn't last. And we really work hard for that which we can't even take with us. And he simply says, Do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Work at those things that somehow is going to enrich your internal life. Don't be working for the simple things of this world. Now, I'm not saying don't enjoy yourself, don't take a vacation, don't treat yourself every now and then. I'm not saying that. But if that's how you see the world and that's how you see life, just your pleasures, then you're missing so much. You're missing so much. Hey. And he says, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Now understand, that work has to come through who? Through him. Because it's not of this world in a sense. It has a greater value, but the value of that work that you perform for his glory and for his name is enriched in heaven, not here. And we miss that. We miss that oh so often. Turn over John chapter 9 and go to verse 4. 9-4. He simply says, Boy, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Hmm. As long as it's day, as long as you have life, as long as you can see, as long as you can do, you must be willing to do the work that God puts before you. He said he'll take no pleasure in those who draw back. He'll take no pleasure in those who draw back. And when you look at the Old Testament, look at some of the ages of the people that God used. They're right now. They're ready to be used. They have all the skills and the knowledge. But now the body is weak, but the spirit is willing. But the thing is simply... As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Night is coming 
There's no work you can perform from the grave. Once you take your last breath, all that you could ever do for the kingdom of God is done. Once we say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, there's nothing else you can do. And the truth and the scripture is true here. You are soon forgotten. You are not so valuable that God doesn't have a replacement already in place for you. He has somebody else to fill that slot. He has somebody else to do that work. He has, you, you, you might be saying, Lord, bring them on now. Bring them on now. And Lord might ask you come up here. But we're so quick to say, I've done enough. I've done enough. And God is saying, work, work until you close these eyes and you're done. We've taken the human aspect of Christianity. And we've taken that human part that says retirement. And we think as Christians, we have a right to do what? Retire. If Vic was on two canes, that's not saying he can't still direct the praise team if God desires that. Sometimes we look at our ailments and we say, boy, I can't. I can't. It's not that I can't, I won't. That's the difference. And the church is it's that point. I won't. I won't. And we got to check our attitude. Because the whole issue is this. A younger generation is watching how we work. A younger generation is watching what we do. A younger generation are asking, okay, now they say they really love the Lord. Let's, let's see how much they love him. We got this human expression. If you love me, show me. God never asked us that. <laughs> and there's a good reason why. <laughs> but the thing is this here. We ought to have the attitude, I'm going to work until he calls me home. And it don't have to be physical work. But God has something for you to do. If it's no more than you praying for everybody. If it's no more than you coming into church with words of encouragement. Because every Sunday somebody's here is downtrodden. Somebody's hurting. Something's there. And God uses you just as an encourager. If it's you just reading and you've read something that's a golden nugget and others may not have it, that you're sharing that knowledge with them. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to share knowledge. You open your mouth and you speak of the Lord because he's worthy to be spoken of and shared of how good he's really been to you. 
Go with me over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you're doing, whatever you do, work at it with all your what? Heart. He says, now you're the one who got to put into this. Yes, somebody else can put a little more in it. Somebody else can do it a little better. Somebody else because they have more knowledge of it. They have more strength. They have more of this. But he says, according to your heart, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. You have to develop a heart in yourself that you really want to labor for the Lord. You want to do it. I often hear people saying, well, the pastor should assign people to work. If you're in a with the Lord, the Holy Spirit will assign you your work. Pastor don't have to do it. Because he's the one who really knows what the church has need of. And he'll guide you and he'll place you and he'll give you a joy in doing it. And whatever your hands find to do, do it with a cheerful heart. With a heart that desires to do it. Not complaining and grudging. But do it with all your heart as working to who? For the Lord. We work for the Lord. If we live for the Lord, we work for the Lord. If we live for the Lord, we work for the Lord. If we live for Him, we're working for Him. Now, Pastor Brown can't do the things he used to do. Now it's outside today because it's a pretty nice day checking the building. And I've Saw some siding on the ground. So I'm saying, where did the siding come from? Some long sheets. So I started just looking up, up, and up front. I can think, Lord, there's the time I grab a ladder and go up there and nail that siding back up. Now, Lord... Uh, these legs won't hold long. Okay. And um, too high up for me to go now. See, some of y'all think I'm dumb and slow to learn, but I'm learning. <laughs> and uh, now I'm saying, Lord, we got to find somebody who will do the siding who can go back up there and put that on. Charles can't do it Roger can't do it Vic can't do it I mean Mark could but heights aren't Mark's thing (laughs) 
<laughs> you see? And that whole process, Lord, you're going to have to give us somebody to go up there and put that siding back on before the wind gets under there and start blowing all the rest of it. But he says, work if whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. Work. Work at it. Now, go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. This is our challenge for the year. Nobody else can look at you and say what you ought to be doing. The scripture says for us to examine who? Ourselves. When last time you took an inventory of your spiritual life? When last time you really looked at yourself? And sometimes it may seem like I'm going uphill. That's all right, because God will give you the strength to where? Get on top of the mountain. And we have to just keep going, no matter what. Look what he says here. And I like what Paul says, as a prisoner. Now, Paul really is a prisoner right now in Rome. (laughs) But that's the Lord's work for him. They're in prison, writing letters to the churches, encouraging the churches. Now, none of us would want to be sitting in prison writing letters. But that was the work that God gave Paul at this time. He's in prison. Guess what? Not too many people disturbing him. Not too many people interrupting him. But he's writing these letters from prison. He's having time to spend with the Lord and talk with the Lord and hear from the Lord and to pen. But we wouldn't want to be a Lord put me in the Marriott. Put me in the Hilton in that little room and the only thing I got to do is call somebody for dinner and bring this up and bring that up. We want a spot that's what? Comfortable. And sometimes God's best work is in an uncomfortable area. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy. That's why I said, everybody got to look at themselves, got to examine themselves. And you got to ask the question, and I have to ask that question. Am I living a life that is worthy of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Am I living in such a way that it really brings praise to his name? Am I living in such a way that other people say there's something different about that person? Are we living in such a way that we are truly worthy of Jesus Christ shedding his blood for us and saving us? You're the only one who can answer that. But that's Paul's challenge because in this church, 
there were those who were not living, what? Worthy of the name of Jesus. Worthy of their salvation. Worthy of God's blessing on their life. Worthy of the strength that God would give them each and every day. And we're the one who have to really ask ourselves, are we worthy? Now we compare that with sometimes with money. If I make $10, I'm not that worthy, but that person who makes $23 or $30, they're more worthy than I am. No, they're not. No, they're not. We all have a job to do. And the job may pay less than someone else. But always remember this, that person who's making more sometimes couldn't do their work if it were not for you doing your work. And somehow we gauge this, that, boy, and the scripture tells us, don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but yet I'm worth $45. Roger shares a story, and I'm, I'm going to share because it fits real, very, very well here. Roger's brother uh, was like a probationary officer that he found work for uh, men coming out of prison. And this guy steps into his office after about maybe 10 years in prison, and uh, he asked Nate uh, about a job. But then his requirement is he wants a secretary, he wants an office, he wants a six-figure salary, and he wanted something else, one or two other things, right? And they said he asked. And then he said, if I get all those things, I'll go get my GED. That's how we are. Lord, if you give me this, Lord, if you give me this, Lord, if you do this, Lord, if you do that, then I'll go do. No. Do it beforehand. Do it. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your strength. Do it with all your might. Do it with all your ability and talents that God's given to you. Do it. Because he's worthy. And he says, are you living a life that is worthy of his calling on your life? Are you worthy of it? And he says, as prisoners for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. One Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One baptism, one faith, one God, Father of all, who is and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given. To each one, grace has been given. Now I have to admit to you, I may need a whole lot more grace than a lot of you do. But God is the one who gives it. 
you may need more grace than somebody else. Somebody else may need more grace than you. But are you deserving of this grace? Are you deserving of it? Do you even feel that you're deserving of it when you stand in the light of God? Do you really deserve it? But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. As Christ has apportioned it. Why? He knows what you're doing. He knows what you need. And he provides when you have a willing heart. It's not your ability. It's not that you can do it or you can't do it. The thing is, the Lord says, boy, if there is a willing heart, he'll your strength but right here is the heart willing to serve him so many people are bankrupt in their spiritual life because they don't understand God gives his a portion of grace based on their willingness to serve him and glorify him to lift up that name that is above every name. He does. And he says again, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Now, many of you know Romans, and we're going to end with Romans 12, I think. Go to Romans 12, 1. Because you're the one who has to put yourself on the altar. You're the one that has to surrender yourself. You're the one that has to give yourself. You're the one. We were having a discussion with my grandchildren the other day and um, and I asked them about absolute is there such a thing as absolute truth Kelly said that's a defeating question based on that issue of absolute and a lot of people don't believe in absolutes So we kind of talked about it and so forth. But then around about 5 o'clock in the morning, I got my one granddaughter up. We went and sat in the living room and we talked about absolutes. And the only way there is an absolute truth is that there's an absolute God who declares that truth but has the authority to back that truth. Other than that, there's no absolutes. 
Anything can go. But God is the absolute law giver. And what he says, he has the power to back it. And to do it. But we don't understand sometimes the God we serve. We take him for granted. We take him that he's always just going to love us. He's always going to just shower his grace. He's always just going to give us mercy. He's always just going to do this. I wonder what Lucifer felt when God kicked him out of heaven. Nowhere in the scriptures does it say God stopped loving the devil. Still loving. And God didn't take any of his talents or gifts that he gave him. That's one of the reasons why Lucifer is still a very powerful individual because God never took what he gave to him. You have life only because God grants it. You have life only because God grants it. But believe this. One day, you're not going to. And this life will be ended. And eternity is what we face. He says in that 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in the view of God's kindness, in the view of God's grace, in, in the view of God's blessings, in, in the view of all this thing that God is and that, that he does in our life. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. You have to be willing to do everything in your life to serve him. Nobody's going to make you. Nobody's going to make you. Nobody can force you to do that. That's an attitude, that's something that has to take place in your mind, in your heart. That you're going to live for the Lord. No matter if friends depart from you, no matter if this happens to you or that happens to you, you're going to live for the Lord. And that's what Paul's urging. Even to a point that he brings in the word sacrifice. That you present your body as a living, what? Sacrifice. Who wants to go through pain? Who wants to go through hurt? Who wants to go through this body falling apart on them? I wish I could do just some of the things. I was trying to bowl with my grandkids these legs sometimes got a little wobbly and I couldn't even get down. They down there bowling, putting splits on the room. Boy, I couldn't even get nowhere near that. 
See? The body itself is going to age. But that doesn't mean you can't do. Because it's up here and it's in here. And Paul says, boy, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. When you make the sacrifice, it's holy and it's pleasing to God. He sees what you're doing. Even in your pain, even in your hurt, even in your sorrows, even in your tears. He sees what you're doing. And is pleasing unto him. Okay, last verse, Isaiah 46. This is where one day we all will get to. And uh, those of you that are not yet 50, mark this verse in your Bible. Those of you who are over 50, Mark it and pray over it. Listen to what the Lord says. One pick up in verse. Up, one get over to the right book here. Forty six, forty four, forty six. Look at verse four. Even to your old age and gray hair, I am he. God just said, I don't change. Yeah, we change, and God knows that. But who doesn't change? He doesn't. Even to your old age and gray hair, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. He'll do what? He'll he'll keep you. He'll hold you up. He'll strengthen you. I was sharing with somebody the other day. I said, "There's some days I don't feel like being in the pulpit on Sunday. I don't know which way these legs are going to act. And sometimes the back or the hip is just in pain. But God somehow sustains." Somehow God interacts and boy, I kind of like forget all that and I'm up and down and moving and doing. God somehow works. I can't explain it other than he does it. And he says, I am he who will sustain you. I'll strengthen you. I'll keep you. I'll do it. And I listen to this. I have made you. Oh boy, the psalmist in 139 says, He formed us while we were yet in our mother's what? Our mother's womb. He says, I have made you, and I will carry you. These young guys aren't walking on their own. They may not know it, but God is what? Carrying them. You're not walking on your own. God is there carrying you. And he says, I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you. 
and I will rescue you no matter what you're going through. We worship him because of who he is, not because of what he does. But only when I really recognize who he is do I really work and labor and worship him. Because I know who he is and he's worthy. And I'm not doing it because he sustained me. I'm not doing it because he strengthened me. I'm not doing it because he opened the door. I'm not doing it because he blessed me. I'm not doing it because he rescued me. I'm not doing it because he delivered me. Life has its ups and downs. Life has its pain. Life has its hurts. My dad and I did not grow close together until he was somewhere in his 80s. had to hear his story to understand him. I had to understand him not having a father and the pain and the hurt he went through of getting beat and abused as a 12, 13, 14-year-old boy. I had to hear his story. But we had a wonderful relationship. There's a picture I wish I could have taken of one of my older brothers and my dad. The two of them couldn't even be in the house together. And mom would tell Leonard, if you come in here, you shut your mouth, and you just sit down. Because him and dad would get in some of the worst arguments and so forth. But Leonard was dying of cancer. He only had one kidney left. But I walked in my dad's, dad's room. Leonard's on one side of the bed. Dad's laying on the other side of the bed. And both of them laying there like two little babies. Only God could have Only God could have done that. People, take inventory tonight. Sometime before this new year really breaks, take inventory of yourself, not somebody else. Don't even measure yourself by somebody else. Look at yourself and ask this question Am I living life worthy of the calling of Christ in my life? And when I work, do I work as unto him? Not unto Pastor Brown, not unto a church, not unto this and not unto that, but unto him and him alone. Father, as this new year come into play, would you give us new vision? Would you touch our heart anew and afresh? Would you help us to weigh, oh God, how much we love you? And if we are really, truly desiring to be a living sacrifice for your glory. We're not what we used to be, but Lord, we're so thankful 
for the work that you have done. And, and, and Lord, we want to see you do much more in our lives. Would you enable us? Would you strengthen us? Would you give us a deeper love for you? Help us not to see your blessings in a sense. Help us not to feel that, Lord, that uh, we owe you something. We got to do something more. Help us, oh God, to recognize. As you said in in your word, I am he. I am he that loves you no matter what you do. I am he that loves you even when you run away from me. I am he that loves you. And I keep you. I deliver you. I rescue you. You may not know it. All that I do. But I do it because I love you. And all I want from you is love. Is love. To love me as I am. To love me as the God of all gods. To love me. And to worship me. Because I'm God. And God alone. Lord help us to catch that vision. That you are the living God. And there is no other. And whatever our hands will find to do, we will do it for your glory and for your praise. And we'll do it with all of our hearts. We'll do it as long as you give us breath, O God, and strength. We'll do it, O God. Because of one reason. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, O God. Help me in this coming year. To walk worthy of your calling as a pastor. Help me to walk worthy as your calling as a Christian. Help me to walk worthy in your calling as a husband. Help me to walk worthy, oh God, in your calling as a worker. Help me to walk worthy as a father, oh Lord. Help me to walk worthy in every aspect of my life. Help us to walk worthy, Lord. Oh, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Help us, Lord. Touch somebody right now. Somehow, Lord, speak to their hearts. Speak to their minds. Speak to them, Lord. Because, Lord, it takes you to change your heart. It takes you to change your mind. You speak. You minister to them. You grab hold of them like you've never grabbed hold of anything. Grab them, Lord, that they might know that it is the hand of God that is touching Lord, would you move? Let us not go into a new year with the same old life. But a life that is being challenged by your Holy Spirit. To walk worthy, oh God, to walk worthy, to walk worthy of who you are in our lives. Minister to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.